Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. The great Ariel Zilber with Rifainu Hashem opens things up on uh, this live edition of the Israel Show. Coming to you every Monday immediately following Jam in the AM, 9 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Israel time around the world, wherever you are. What time it is now? What time is it? That's the time we're on, wherever you are outside of those two places. Thank you so much for joining us, making us a part of your week. Of course, you can listen to us on demand anytime you like at the Nachum Siegel website. 
at the Nachum Siegel Network website, nachumsiegel.com, or on the amazing Nachum Siegel Network app, available free on uh, both iPhone and uh, Android. We have some interesting stuff coming up this, uh, this hour, and I encourage you to stick around. You know, we spoke about the Balfour Declaration a lot. It's the 100th anniversary of the uh, first international recognition of the Jewish right to uh, return to Eretz Israel and have a Jewish homeland in the ancestral land of Israel. But there are people who are not so excited about the Balfour Declaration. Believe it or not, some of them are Israelis. Wow, why is that a shock? But at the same time, Prime Minister Theresa May of Great Britain, the uh, very same country that Balfour was the foreign minister of, and on behalf of whom, he or who, I don't know which is correct, he was was giving this uh, letter, this document, this uh, declaration, gave an amazing speech in honor of the 100th anniversary at a a formal official dinner, and we're going to bring you highlights of that speech. Also, hopefully we'll have time for this all this morning. This morning. See, that's what's great about being live. Because I can tell you that this morning in Israel, just a few hours ago, there was a new round of appoint. There was a round of new appointments to the uh, IDF leadership, and two of the people climbing up the ranks are um, from the Kipasruga uh, group, if you will, population. And uh, we will bring you an interview with one of them, which was uh, done quite a while back, and tell share with you a piece of his history which uh, should be interesting. All that's coming up right here on the Israel so- Show, so stay tuned. We're here for the next hour. This is uh, Sapir. Kol ha'ulam kulo gesher tzarmiyot. Here's a uh, new take on that classic song. My name is Mayor Weingarten, and you are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Geshet Sar Meon Geshet Sar Meon Geshet Sar
composed by Rabbi Baruch Chait. A lot of people don't realize that. This particular cover of probably thousands around the world was done by Sapir, a group out of Israel. Kol Ha'olam Kulo Gesher based on uh, the words, the writings of Rav Nachman of Breslov. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thanks so much for joining us at the Israel Show, the Nachum Siegel Network. So this document came became public in the last few days. I don't know how, but it's a fascinating insight into uh, Prince Charles of England, and being that we're going to be discussing the Balfour Declaration and the attitude of the Great Britain towards Israel, and as I've contended many times, it is Great Britain who is to blame a hundred years later for the situation that we find ourselves in, in this crazy world of ours, in the Middle East. So 30 years ago, almost to the day, November 24th, 1986, Prince Charles writes a letter. I hope this is not a hoax. Uh, It's come through a a reliable source. Writes a letter about his trip to the Arab countries, especially Saudi Arabia, that he just completed. Amongst other things, he writes, I also begin to understand their point of view about Israel, meaning the Arab point of view about Israel, never realized, uh, meaning I never realized, they see it as a U.S. colony, meaning as a colonialist uh, endeavor. That's how the Arabs see Israel. I now appreciate, he says, that Arabs and Jews were all a Semitic people originally, and it is the influx of foreign European Jews, especially from Poland, they say, which has helped to cause great problems. Now, this is, obviously, he says that this is their perspective, so one can't say that it's his perspective. And he does emphasize, and it's a personal letter, although I think people like Prince Charles, even 30 years ago, understood that anything he's going to write privately has the uh, possibility of or the risk of coming out in public. But he falls for this, at least it seems like he falls for it, because every, the, all the Jews were Semitic, And now, though they're foreign Jews from Europe, as if those Jews had nothing to do with the Jews who were originally in Eretz Israel, and that their coming in had something, some some bad reflection, as if the the fact that Arabs from all the Arab countries came into Eretz Israel as the Jews got there at the late 1800s, early 1900s. The, popul- the Arab population increased because the Arabs saw that there was work and there was prosperity, so they decided to come to Eretz Israel, what was then known as Palestine geographically. Um, they came from all the Arab countries. Oh, that, that was okay. Well, you know, the problem is, and, and this, we'll see this throughout the, the show today, that, that people think that we have no memory. Our historic memory is gone. And it's important to keep reminding people that we do have historic memory. Then he writes, I know there are so many complex issues, Prince Charles says, but how can there ever be an end to terrorism unless the cause, the causes are eliminated? And that's, this is, to me, this is the question is, what, what does he mean, the causes? Which causes of terrorism? Does he mean the radical Islam? I don't think so. Or does he mean the Jews colonizing 
uh, Israel, uh, Palestine, whatever you want to call it, from their perspective. Not sure. It would seem that it's the latter. And this is, quite frankly, almost uh, bordering on an anti-Semitic statement with which Prince Charles ends this letter. Surely, he writes, some U.S. president has to have the courage to stand up and take on the Jewish lobby in the U.S. I must be naive, I suppose. Wow. That's like uh, Pat Buchanan talk. And that's the influence that the Arabs had. The influence that the Arabs had on uh, Great Britain has always been... I don't know why they somehow romanticize the Islamic world, the Arabs, the you know the type of Lawrence of Arabia, British uh, uh, person who becomes totally enthralled by the Arab world. I don't know why. I, I don't think it's just a, a question of oil, per se. Um, and I think that one has to say that this was 30 years ago, and since then, a lot of water has passed through the Suez Canal, which is where he was when he wrote this letter, um, and I think people like Lord Rabbi Dr. Uh, Sachs, Jonathan Sachs, has had influence on uh, on Prince Charles and others. So hopefully, hopefully, um, he doesn't think this way. In fact, um, the last part of the letter, putting that aside for a moment, which is, I think, one of the worst parts of the letter, the rest of it he keeps talking about their ideas or their opinions. In an official statement, um, Prince Charles says that this letter does not represent his opinion. So we'll take that as it may. That is one voice from Great Britain. And how it, you know, how we look back at the Balfour Declaration and you have the uh, heir to the British throne writing that. Um, now, who else is against the Balfour Declaration a hundred years later? Now, it doesn't really matter who's against it or who's not. It's irrelevant today. It's a historic document. It has a history which is extremely important to the Jewish people, a moment in time, as we've said on the show previously, a moment in time that Jewish history really changed. It's like was well, a switchover from uh, Zionism being just uh, you know our aspiration to Zionism having an international echo and approval. So, th- of course, the Arab world is uh, 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 always against uh, saying that it was a bad thing. And the uh, quote-unquote Palestinian Authority, the Palestinian Arabs, uh, they had days of rage and protest on the 100th anniversary of the Balfour Declaration saying that it's, uh, you know, they stole their land and all this other hooey. But, unfortunately, we also have Jews, as always, going back in time, as always. So, a group of Israelis, Jewish Israelis, I'll I'll add, uh, wrote a letter to the British government. I mean, the the whole idea is just it's nothing more than symbolic. It's a rather ludicrous idea. But they wrote this letter to the British government in which they call upon them to correct historic injustice and reword and, and issue a, <laughs> a reworded declaration. Okay, like, what are we going to do? We're going to go back to 1917 and start the whole thing again? I don't think so correct the historic injustice 
Oh, there's so many things to say there. Anyway, who's signed on this letter? Member of Knesset Musi Raz, the Secretary General of the Meretz Party, who recently actually said, uh, it was sort of being bandied back and forth, that they don't consider themselves a Zionist party anymore. That's interesting. The um, former executive of, um, chief executive of Israel's foreign ministry, a well-known radical leftist, Alon Liel, we've spoken about him in the past, the uh, director general of the organization Yesh Din, yet another, and um, the director general of another radical left organization called Ir Amim, and the director of the Israeli branch of J Street, that's right, Yael Patir, she also signed this letter. So, people out there, if you're supporting J Street, understand that um, their their Israeli representative, at least, is signing against the Balfour Declaration. So, what, what do they find detestable about the Balfour Declaration? Well... One thing they say is because there are no boundaries, the boundaries of the area upon which the state of Israel or the Jewish homeland would be, would be put was not defined. Well, that's not true. It says in Palestine. Palestine at the time was defined as what is today Israel, including Yehudan Shamron, and Jordan. And then in 1927, I believe, the entire part from the Jordan River east, the east bank of the Jordan River, was taken out of the equation by Winston Churchill, by the way, and given to the Arabs. So now the Jews are left with only what's on the west bank, hence the, that term that is used. Okay, then they write that in the Balfour Declaration there is no specific uh, there's no specific mention of the rights of the Palestinian inhabitants to their um, national identity and to their national aspirations that should be alongside of the Jewish state now, this is so anachronistic, it is unbelievable. In 1917, there was no Palestinian people. There was no such a thing. When you spoke about Palestinians in 1917, you meant Jews. In fact, the Jerusalem Post, until 1947, was called the Palestine Post. And the Jewish Agency for Israel before 1947 was called the Jewish Agency for Palestine. The whole idea of literally absconding, kidnapping the term Palestine and Palestinian and making that into a national entity is new. There was no such a thing as a Palestinian identity for the Arabs who lived in that area. Most of them weren't from that area. There was no national aspiration. All that that whole invention happened later. So, again, these people think that we're... uh, that we have no memory whatsoever. And by the way, if that is true, what they're writing, that the whole thing has to be... So, uh, is Jordan a legitimate state? Doesn't the, Should that be readdressed? Iran, Iraq, Pakistan, these are all states that were created by Great Britain after World War I. They did not exist. 
Well, Iran did. Shouldn't say, yeah, uh, shouldn't include Iran in that. Even Saudi Arabia. All these countries were created by Great Britain after World War I. And as part of that divvying up, which everybody seems to accept fine, just fine, the Jewish people were given a territory which was cut and then cut again and ended up with this tiny little speck of land, which were the pre-67 borders, or as Abba even called them, the Auschwitz borders. And through the grace of God and through his miracles that happen every single day, Israel has not only survived, but is thriving beyond comprehension. So we can be thankful for that. We will highlight after this next song, um, we will share with you highlights of Theresa May, the British Prime Minister, um, her speech at the official 100, the Balfour 100 celebration that took place in Great Britain last week. Brand new music, Jonathan Razel teaming up with Rami Kleinstein, or Rami Kleinstein teaming up with Jonathan Razel in an album that he recently released called Haosef, is a new song that's on that um, album called Tamid Elecha, and we're debuting it for you right here on The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten, and you are tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. Elokai Torah u'mitzvot lanu natata Tzinor le'itchaber elecha otam asita Elokai Torah u'mitzvot lanu natata Orot elyonim darkam lanu shalachta Elokai sakenina b'toratcha u'vemitzvotecha lechaber nishmati tamid elcha lechaber lechaber tamid elcha Elokai sakenina b'toratcha u'vemitzvotecha.
כנינה, לתורתך ובמצוותיך. לחבר את נשמתי תמיד אליך. לחבר, לחבר תמיד אליך, אלוקיי. Wow, debuting here on the Israel show. Rami Kleinstein joining with uh, Yonatan Razel in that beautiful song, Tamid Eilecha, Always to You, God. Yeah, the world is uh, is moving along. It's changing as we speak. So, um, as we promised, highlights of Theresa May's um, words at the um, Balfour 100, they call it the Centenary Dinner. This is, was an official event. It was attended by Lord Rothschild, the nephew of the Lord Rothschild to whom the Balfour Declaration was addressed, Prime Minister Netanyahu was there, Chief Rabbi, and others. So, I have cherry-picked pieces of this speech. I have cherry-picked the parts that I like. I'm I'm going to tell you this unabashedly. (laughs) There are parts in here in which she calls for a two-state solution and things like that. Basically, stop of settlements and so forth, which I'm assuming that her current foreign ministry um, has pushed to put in the speech. But I think that it is important to focus on the positive, and uh, I have to give a hat tip, kudos to Sivan Rahav Meir, who does so much in Jewish media in Israel, and she mentioned this speech in her weekly column in Yedirach Ronot, um, that pushed me to listen to it and hear all the positive things that are being said. So, Theresa May, she starts off describing the Balfour Declaration, what she calls the letter. Which I believe to be one of the most significant letters in history. A letter which gave birth to a most extraordinary country. And a letter which finally opened the door to helping make a Jewish homeland a reality. I like that. I like that very much, the way she said that. It opened, it finally opened the door. Finally opened the door, meaning there's an understanding built into this that the Jewish homeland in Eretz Israel is something that should have been done a long time ago, a long time before that. And she now describes the historic context within which, 100 years before, 1917, this whole thing took place. Let us cast our minds back to the time of 1917, 
in an era of competing imperial powers and with Britain still embroiled in the midst of the First World War. The idea of establishing a homeland for the Jewish people would have seemed a distant dream for many and been fiercely opposed by others. Yet it was at this very moment that Lord Balfour had the vision and the leadership to make this profound statement about restoring a persecuted people to a safe and secure homeland. And now she addresses those people that we just spoke about, both uh, Israelis, Arabs, Palestinian Authority and others who have called upon Britain to apologize for that. So when some people suggest we should apologize for this letter, I say absolutely not. We are proud of our pioneering role in the creation of the State of Israel. We are proud to stand here today together with Prime Minister Netanyahu and declare our support for Israel. And we... And we are proud of the relationship we have built with Israel. And now she goes on in this speech to, to highlight something that Prime Minister Netanyahu maybe added into, into her text or suggested. And this is Israel's place in the world that is coming forward or advancing because of everything that Israel has to contribute to the world. And, and she goes on to discuss this, and this is something, a theme that Prime Minister Netanyahu spoke of in the UN and in other places of how the world will come around to supporting Israel because they will have an interest in doing so. And as we mark 100 years since Balfour, we look forward to taking that relationship even further. As Prime Minister Netanyahu and I discussed in Downing Street earlier today, we want to deepen our links in areas where Israel is leading the world, in areas like agriculture, health, science, technology and innovation. Israel is the true start-up nation, and we are proud to be your partner. That's nice. And then she speaks about another place, another point, another nexus, where, unfortunately... Israel and the Western world meet, and that is in the fight for terrorism and the question of Israel's security. So here's how she addresses that. And again, this is in Great Britain and the West's interest to, uh, to support Israel and to ally with Israel on this issue. We also remain absolutely committed to Israel's security. For it is only when you witness Israel's vulnerability that you truly understand the constant danger Israelis face. As I saw on my visit in 2014, when the bodies of the murdered teenagers, Naftali Frankel, Gilad Sher, and Ayal Lifrach were discovered. So I am clear that we will always support Israel's right to defend itself. And in a world where Britain and Israel increasingly face the same shared challenges and threats, I am just as clear that our security services will continue to deepen their already excellent cooperation to keep all our people safe. So yes, they need Arab oil, as do the rest of the world, and maybe that's one of the reasons that she calls them shared, the same shared challenges and threats rather than calling... Um, 
calling it what it is, radical Islamic fundamentalist terror, radical Islamic fundamentalism. She calls us shared challenges and threats. We know what that means and how important Israel's security services have been to the West in helping combat that. So um, here too, these common interests join the West and Israel as Prime Minister Netanyahu has so brilliantly you know, portrayed in, in more than one case. It's not just a moral obligation that the West has to Israel. It's not just uh, the shared ideology of democracy. Those are all nice words, but there's a, there's a mutual interest. And um, then she goes on to talk about BDS and anti-Semitism. But as we work together towards Balfour's vision of a peaceful coexistence, we must be equally clear that there can never be any excuses for boycotts, divestment or sanctions. They are unacceptable and this government will have no truck with those who subscribe to them. Neither neither can there be any ever be any excuse for anti-Semitism in any form. Just as there is just as there is no excuse for hatred against Muslims, Christians, or anyone based on the peaceful religions they choose to follow, the place of their birth, or the color of their skin. Yeah. And now she goes on to detail this even more because she recognizes that criticizing the Israeli government, but is not uh, anti-Semitic, but only criticizing the Israeli government, but but singling them out from all the other nations of the world that are doing horrible things and saying, oh, it's Israel that's the worst, or it's only Israel that we should condemn, like the UN does on a regular basis, that is what she calls pernicious, a new pernicious form of anti-Semitism. Here it is. And yes, this means recognizing that there is today a new and pernicious form of anti-Semitism which uses criticism of the actions of the Israeli government as a despicable justification for questioning the very right of Israel to exist. This is abhorrent and we will not stand for it. So let me be clear. Criticizing the actions of Israel is never and can never be an excuse for questioning Israel's right to exist. Any more than criticizing the actions of Britain could be an excuse for questioning our right to exist. And criticizing the government of Israel is never and can never be an excuse for hatred against the Jewish people. Any more than criticizing the British government would be an excuse for hatred against the British people. Put simply, there can be no excuses for any kind of hatred towards the Jewish people. There never have been. There never have been and there never will be. And let me say this too. We will never forget where that hatred and prejudice can lead. That too is a shared interest because if we think back to World War II, once Hitler... um, conquered the western part of Europe, the continent, he went after England. And and it was a life and death fight, war, 
where England could have perished to Nazism if not for the help of the United States. And so the fear that a radical ideology will take over the world and threaten the West threatens Great Britain as much as it threatens Israel and everybody else. And a lot of the core of that is anti-Semitism. That's what she points out. And here, uh, this is the end of her speech. And um, sort of sums it up and wraps it up. So let us tonight be inspired by that spirit. Let us recognize the contribution of Balfour in fulfilling what was once little more than a 2,000-year-old dream for a persecuted people. Let us mark with pride what has been achieved with the creation of the State of Israel and, in Balfour's own words, a national home for the Jewish people. I mean, if you think about this in historical context, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, a hundred years after the Balfour Declaration, but more importantly, after Great Britain actually reversed itself, and this obviously is not mentioned, but Great Britain abdicated its mandate, on, uh, which was um, put through in San Remo based on the Balfour Declaration and everything. They abdicated it. They gave in to terrorism. It's clear and simply true. And in 1939, they limited arrivals of Jews from Europe to Israel, to, to what was then called Palestine, to Eretz Israel, a death sentence to the millions. So as much as, yes, in 1917, Great Britain was at the forefront of giving us international recognition of a Jewish homeland, They did some horrible things after that. And even after the Holocaust, let's remember this too, after the Holocaust, when Holocaust survivors, the skeletons of humanity that were on boats coming from Europe to the shores of Israel, Haifa, the evil, I have to say it, the evil British Empire refused them entry and put them into camps in Cyprus, in the best case, and in the worst case, send them back to Germany. So we appreciate the kind words, and it's amazing how everything has come around. We've gone from where we have gone, from where we have come to. And I I think we have to echo those words. Once a little more than a 2,000-year-old dream the contribution of Balfour in fulfilling it. Pretty amazing. Yonina, from their new album, Rega Mechuvan, my name is Mayor Weingarten, you are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> לא להפסיק לרוץ ממה אתה לחוץ? כשכל דקה רודפת השנייה הופכת אהבה למטלה 
Yonina with Rega Mechuvan off of uh, their new album, Emet Pishuta. I'm thinking, but I, I'm going to do this anyway. We actually, I think we're one of the first to broadcast their music. When they uh, posted, uh, literally, I think on a lark, uh, on Facebook, just uh, something that they uh, recorded ad hoc in a car. And uh, we liked it. It caught our fancy, and we played it off of the Facebook release. And uh, really caught on. So um, stay tuned here and be in touch with what's going on in Israel music and news and otherwise. Uh, my name is Mayor Wang, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. So, as we mentioned earlier, a round of new appointments in the IDF leadership this morning to um, Kipot Strugot were, um, were given uh, uh, promotions. One of them, is uh, David Shapira, the other Neria Yishurun. 
David Shapiro is uh, somebody whose name might ring a bell. Because uh, nine years ago, or coming up on ten years ago, when a um, Arab resident of Jerusalem, a terrorist murderer, entered Yeshivat Merkaz Harav with a Kalachnikov rifle and shot down eight young yeshiva students, David Shapiro, who at the time was already obviously in the army, but he was home on leave, he was not in uniform, heard that there was a commotion going on, grabbed his gun, ran into the uh, active attack, terror attack, and shot the terrorist. There was another person there, a, a student in the yeshiva, who also shot the terrorist. It seems that they both shot him more or less at the same time and killed him. Well, he was uh, promoted from the rank of lieutenant colonel to the rank of colonel today, and he is now the commander of the Binyamin Division or Brigade Chativat Mifaked Chativat Binyamin. The attack took place on Rosh Chodesh Adar Tavshin Samechet, 2008. That's a date that I remember very well for a lot of reasons. So we're going to play you a clip, a part of an interview that he gave, uh, I think it was two years, a year or two years after, after the shooting, after the terror attack. Is uh, We will post the clip... We'll post a clip. We'll post a link to this clip on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. We post um, on a regular basis every week. We also post the list of links to the songs that we play during the show. So you can listen to them at your leisure whenever you like. And um, links to things that we discussed, whether it's clips or we'll link also to the Prime Minister uh, Theresa May's address, so you can hear the whole thing if you're interested, and this whole interview, we took out a small clip, I mean a one-minute clip out of a, I think it's a 25-minute interview, it's in Hebrew, but um, it's a series from Rechon Meir called Anshei Emunah Be'olam HaMaaseh, People of Faith in a World of Actions. And um, in this clip, he's asked... What motivates a person with all the training that you've had, and a lot of it is instinct, but there has to be a motivation for you as an individual to grab your gun and run into an active terrorist scene. You don't know if there are many terrorists, one terrorist. You don't know if you're going to be shot at the end. What motivates you to do this? And... um, he explains, well, we'll play it first and then we'll try and translate so those who uh, understand Hebrew will appreciate this. This is, as of this morning, Aluf Mishne David Shapiro. <laughs> לישיבת מרכז הרב שהיא בעצם הלב הרוחני, אחד מהמקומות המרכזיים בירושלים 
של לימוד התורה. הוא ידע לאן הוא מגיע. שלחו אותו דווקא לשם, מתוך ההבנה של לפגוע בקודש. ובעצם הפגיעה בקודש היא פגיעה בקדוש ברוך הוא, ובעם, לפגוע בעם ישראל, שהם בניו של הקדוש ברוך הוא. וזה המעבר של באמת לדעת שאנחנו מקדשים את שמו של השם. בעצם זה שאנחנו מחריטים את מי שבא לפגוע בקודש, אז זה בעצם ה... משימה של, שהיא מעל, ה, בעצם ערבים זה לזה, למען שמו של הקדוש ברוך הוא. At the base of everything he said earlier in the interview, כל ישראל ערבים זה לזה. We are, we have a responsibility for each other. That's one of the motivations. But in addition to that, he says, that when a terrorist is sent to kill young men in a yeshiva, and he says that It is, it's known that he was specifically sent to this place. It's not only an attack on the Jewish people, it's an attack on God. When you're attacking the yeshiva and you're murdering students of Torah, you're attacking God himself. It's a chilul Hashem. And killing that person is a kiddush Hashem. And so on top of the feeling of arivut, of responsibility toward each other, We have a responsibility to the to the to the to the one above Klapemala that's an amazing statement uh, are we not blessed to have an army that includes these people in their leadership? My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you. 
Ishai Rebo. That is such a beautiful song. Or Chaim, talking about the Torah, the light of our lives. From his album, Pachad Givahim. We're going to close out this edition of the Israel Show with Shuli Rand. Or Shuli Rand. And Becha Batchu, or Becha Batchu, as it's sung, from Tzama volume number three. These are songs of uh, Chabad done by um, contemporary Israeli artists. And uh, that particular one is a great one. Shuli Rand will do that. But before we get to that, we have to say, and we want to say, and we, we're, we're happy to say, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up immediately after us on the Nachum Siegel Network, Yoni Pollock with After Further Review covering the latest in the world of sports, and then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following Jamie and Dame, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Thank you.
Thank you. 